And welcome back to Top Chair. <laughs> Your voice changed a little there, but otherwise. Did it? Did I did I put on my my uh my host voice? Apparently like I always do, yes. Yeah. No. I don't know why you stopped. You're doing great. You you and me, we're not so different. I'll take that as a compliment. Sorry that you have to be a part of that. All right, and welcome back to Top Shutter Sports. I am Brett. I am joined by Vic and Spencer. Welcome back, Spencer. Thank you. Welcome back, Spencer. Thank you. Uh, It was a great vacation. Um, I went to Cancun. My daughters, they were begging me to go, and I just couldn't say no to them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they got their own parrot for the, for the ride back. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Good. It's going better now that I found out you have daughters. I mean... I knew yes. the Cancun part, but wow, that, that really came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. congratulations on that. Thank you. Nine months Thank really you. flies by, apparently. I mean, just like that. Hey. Yeah. 20 years, just like that. I'm now 50. That's wow. that's how math works. Brett, I believe you wanted to talk. I, I believe you wanted to give us like a nice lecture on, on hockey. I, I've missed it so please take it away yeah um i'll i'll move for for those who don't care about hockey that listen to our podcast you can go ahead fast forward probably to like the 15 minute mark and i'll probably be done by then maybe or at least (laughs) towards the end because there has been um a lot specifically in college um but a a few notes in the nhl as well so i'm going to start in the nhl actually, because there's less in there. Um, The only things I wanted to note from the NHL is um, Tom Wilson has been suspended again uh, for for seven games for another just classy hit. Um, Elbow up, guy back turned to him in the corner. Um, Tom Wilson just comes in, flying in with his elbows, hits him in the head. Guy went to the hospital. Good stuff. Seven games. And he's not appealing it. Uh, he kind of knows he's a tool. And he just decided, you know what? I'm just going to I'm just gonna take my seven-game vacation now and uh, enjoy my time off. So uh, that, was, that was great. Brandon Carlo, by the way, who he hit, will be out, quote, a while from it. Oh. So, but he is out of the hospital now, so that's good. Um, Vic, did you have any other uh, thoughts on the the Tom Wilson hit? Yeah, I mean, what a class act. We can't just say it enough. Um, No, just a real piece of shit. And uh, honestly, the fact that Peter Laviolette, the Caps coach this year, he actually defended him in the hit. Uh, I get Laviolette's new in Washington. This is his first year. He wants to stand up for his guys. But this isn't how you do it. Um, I believe his words were, quote, it was a hockey hit, and if this he's suspended for this, then we should just ban all hitting. Um, yeah, no, uh, this was dirty. And there's, 
I honestly thought Wilson would get more given his reputation because I figured this warranted a few games for anybody who wasn't him. Yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 I agree. I don't see how you can defend that. But that's kind of how it's always been with Tom Wilson. Like, Caps fans, Caps coaches, they've always uh, defended him. And you know what, though? That is what good teammates do. So I can't, you know, get on that. But I think the seven games is a little more significant this year just because it's a shortened season. Um, so maybe that had a factor as to why it wasn't more. I don't know. But just a thought. Um Moving on, another note, uh, Matthew Shane has been placed on the IR. He's out three to five weeks, so a big blow for the Predators, who are already uh, all season big blowing it (laughs) 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 on the ice as they have sucked. (laughs) Um, He had just eight points in 23 games, so again, we we thought maybe he'd bounce back um, after his, you know, subpar debut season in Nashville. Last year, he has not. But regardless, he's still their uh, top six center, so they'll miss him. And then the last note in the NHL is the Calgary Flames made a change behind the bench, bringing back good old uh, Daryl Sutter, um, who was their coach for their cup run back in 04, and then won a couple cups with the Kings and then has been out of a job. Um, Jeff Ward getting fired, which was long overdue. Um, I, as a Flames fan, am not thrilled with the hire, but it's a change. Um, I don't think the style of hockey that he likes to coach uh, is really going to fit with the current roster, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that happened, and uh, the Flames, in his first game as their technical coach, even though he can't join the team for two weeks because of uh, COVID protocol, uh, lost, so off to a good start. Um, <laughs> Vic, did you have any other notes in the NHL before I talk for 15 minutes about college? Um, I just wanted to say, going off the Flames signing, you pointed out to me that the timing in this was particularly uh, interesting and important. You almost always see coaches getting fired after a loss, especially a bad loss. Uh, they fired Jeff Ward right after a win uh, versus the Ottawa Sanders, who are the worst team in the North Division and one of the one of the worst in the league. But as you pointed out to me, you said it just goes to show that we really don't care that you beat a crappy team. You're still sucking and changes need to be made. Which uh I really like that you point that out because it's not often you see it after a win. Yeah, a big one at that. I think it was they won like what was it six like eleven or three? Seven yeah. three or something. Yeah. Um cool. Okay. So now college hockey. So uh, we'll start with the women's uh, college hockey, which had they wrapped up all of their conference championships this weekend. So we now know the automatic bids um, and the selection show is actually as we're recording this tonight. So Sunday night. So when you're listening to this, the bracket will be out, but we don't have that information yet. Um, but of course, there are four um, guaranteed bids four conference winners, uh, and then four at-large for the A-team tournament. Those automatic bids go to, in the Hockey East, Northeastern. They've been the number one team all season long. They won the conference tournament, beating Providence in the championship game 6-2. to two. I expect they'll be the one seed, and they'll face Robert Morris, who won the CHA. Surprisingly, uh, kind of, over Syracuse. This was a... Uh, 
the CHA had an interesting tournament. Um, both teams that got a bye lost, and we don't ever really see that. Uh, Penn State, which is a shame because Penn State, this was their best year ever and their first regular season title ever. Uh, they lost to Syracuse in their first game, and then RMU beat Mercyhurst in their first game. Uh, so rare to see both teams getting a bye lose. And then RMU beat Syracuse. Kind of a redemption tour for them. Uh, this was their fifth straight CHA championship game, as as we know, because we went there. Um, it hasn't gone well. They've only won one of those. Well, now two, I, I should say. So two <laughs> out of five. Um, but yeah, beating both Mercyhurst and Syracuse to do it, uh, the two teams that have beaten them the previous three years, pretty sweet. Um, so good for RMU. Penn State still does have an outside chance of getting an at-large bid, but it it would honestly surprise me because the voters really don't view the CHA highly. Um, your other conference winners, the other two in the ECAC, Colgate won their first ever uh, ECAC title, defeating St. Lawrence by a score of 3-2. to two. Uh, So congratulations to Colgate. They'll make their, well, not their first tournament appearance, but it is their first ECAC championship. And a special shout-out to Chelsea Walkland, who was a former assistant coach at RMU, now an assistant coach at Colgate. Very nice lady, much deserved. Uh, this was her, I think, second full season at Colgate, um, and they won the title. So congrats to her and, and Colgate on that. And the last one, the WCHA. This was a, um, this was a fun tournament as well. Wisconsin ultimately ended up winning yet again, uh, but it took overtime against Ohio State to do it by a score of 3-2. to two. So your four guarantees are Wisconsin, Colgate, Robert Morris, and Northeastern. The only matchup I'm certain will happen is Northeastern versus Robert Morris. And then everything else is kind of up in the air, I think. Um, so, again, selection shows tonight, so we'll know everything uh, after that. But I would say Ohio State, if I had to just give my predictions right now, the at-large bids will be Ohio State, uh, Minnesota, probably Boston College, and either Penn State or Minnesota Duluth. That's kind of a toss-up. Again, I would be kind of surprised, though, if it was Penn State. Well. Did it take a breath? Any other comments on women's college hockey before I get into men? Yeah. Um, so, hearing the teams that you think will make it, uh, since 2001, we've only had four different winners in women's college hockey. We have a lot of teams make the championship, but only four seem to find a way uh, to really form those dynasties where it's Minnesota, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Duluth, and Clarkson. So do you see a, a new winner here this year, possibly, with Northeastern being that one seed all year? Or do you think Wisconsin or Minnesota will, will pull it out again? I am not going to bet against Wisconsin. Northeastern's been great. Colgate has looked really good, too. Um, I, I think Colgate is kind of a dark horse, but I, I would – still in my mind have Wisconsin as the favorites. Okay. They just have a different level that they always reach once they make the tournament as we've seen. Um, okay. Over to men's. So men's hockey, they finished all their regular season. Um, last week, the conference tournaments start um, Well, Atlantic hockey actually starts on Tuesday of this coming week. And, Basically, by the end of next weekend, so hopefully by the time we record next week, we'll know the conference winners in men. 
But to give a brief overlook of each conference tournament, um, we'll start with the, the easiest one, which is the ECAC. There's only four teams uh, because, again, the Ivy League schools did not play this year. So you have your one-seed Quinnipiac facing your four-seed Colgate and your two-seeded Clarkson facing St. Lawrence. Unless Colgate or St. Lawrence can somehow win this tournament, which would be a huge, huge, huge upset, um, Quinnipiac and Clarkson both pretty much locks to make the uh, NCAA tournament. So it's really, they're just doing this four-team tournament really just as, you know, um, what's it called? Um, it's like tradition. They're just kind of going through the motions. Um, over in the Hockey East, your you have your one-seeded Boston College and Spencer Knight facing Vermont, the 10-seed. You have your two-seeded Boston University facing New Hampshire, the 9. Third-seeded UMass against eight-seeded Maine. This is a series to watch for me. I think Maine could pull that upset. Uh, Fourth-seeded UConn against seven-seeded UMass Lowell. This is also interesting because UConn, a lot of people like to get an at-large bid, but they're going to have to uh, get past UMass Lowell, who's kind of had a an unfortunate season. They've played the least amount of games of all these Hockey East teams just because of COVID. Um, but they're, you know, they're one of those programs that always has a shot of making a run. And then your five, six is Northeastern and Providence. Um, so that hockey East will be interesting as well, but expect Boston college to win that tournament. Um, the NCH or the WCHA will go to next. You have one seated Minnesota state against your eighth seated Alabama Huntsville, uh, two seated Lake superior state. Another dark horse to make the tournament against seven-seeded Ferris State, who, fun fact, I know Alabama Huntsville is the technical eight. Ferris State uh, has is the worst team in uh, men's college hockey this year, statistically and record-wise. I'm not sure why Huntsville's eighth. I think it's because they haven't really played any games at all. Um, so Lake Superior will, will take care of Ferris State pretty easily. Your 4-5 is Bemidji State against Michigan Tech. And then your 3-6 is Bowling Green against Northern Michigan. Um, Minnesota State, obviously, the heavy favorites to win this conference tournament. But um, this tournament is especially important for Bowling Green, who's right now in the bubble but kind of on the outside uh, to get in that large bid. So they need to have a good tournament here. I'd say make the final, uh, and they'll probably then get in that large bid. Three more. The Big Ten. Uh, Wisconsin finished first. They got the bye. Your 2-7 matchup is Minnesota against Michigan State. Um, Minnesota will win. Your 4-5 is Notre Dame against Penn State. I think Penn State will win that. Um, slight upset there. And then your 3-6 is Michigan, the 3, against Ohio State, the 6. Michigan will win that. I like Minnesota to win this tournament as the 2-seed. Um, look for Penn State to possibly upset Wisconsin there in round number 2. Uh, Wisconsin, very streaky team, very inconsistent, but also a lot of firepower up front. Um, Atlantic Hockey, we'll, we'll touch on next. Atlantic hockey always sets up their tournament the weirdest possible way. Because <laughs> uh, all 11 teams make it. So the regular season is, I don't want to say it's useless and pointless because you can get buys, but 
all 11 teams make it every year, which is so dumb to me. But anyways, uh, your 6-11 matchup was Sacred Heart against Holy Cross, who was a Holy Cross was 11th. Holy Cross had to withdraw from the tournament due to COVID. So Sacred Heart automatically gets a forfeit win and advances to face the third-seeded Robert Morris. Um, your 8-9 is Bentley, the 8, versus uh, Air Force, the 9. Winner of that plays the one-seeded American International. The 7-10 is Mercyhurst, the 7, against Niagara, the 10. Winner of that plays the two-seeded Army. And then your 4-5 matchup is Canisius against RIT. Um, this is going to be an interesting tournament as well because there's really three teams in my mind that have – both a case at an at-large bid and a case to win this tournament, that being Army, American, International, and Robert Morris. Um, right now, from what I've seen, nobody is giving Army a shot at an at-large. They're giving that – they're favoring Robert Morris in that regard. Um, and a lot of people do have two teams from Atlantic Hockey for the first time ever making it this year. But a lot of that's still going to depend on how the tournament goes. So this is going to be intriguing and um, – yeah, I mean, if a team like, you know, RIT, for example, comes out and wins this, it's really going to shake up the uh, at-large bids this season. If any team besides those three wins, do you really just see one team coming out of this conference? No, I think I think if I think American International is pretty safe that even if they don't I mean, if they lose in their first round, they might not make it. But if they at least make, like, the semis, um, I think they'll still get in that large bid. It's mainly Army and Robert Morris that really need to do well in this tournament. Um, obviously, win it and you're in, but really need to at least, like, make the final to possibly get in that large bid in my mind. Okay. And then your last tournament... Uh, is the NCHC. I saved this for last because this is the most fun. It's the best conference in college hockey year in, year out. And um, again, I, 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 I say this every day, but the semis will be on CBS Sports Network for this. Um, March 15th, both games will be on TV. And then the final on March 16th will also mark your calendars. But the first round, um, how it shakes out, you have a first-seeded North Dakota taking on eighth-seeded Miami. Uh, I think North Dakota will handle that pretty easily. Your 4-5 is Omaha against Denver. This is very interesting. Denver has had a very poor year for their standards. They're normally one of the top teams in the nation. They've really struggled this year. Omaha has a shot at an at-large bid. Uh, but they won't if they lose in the first round. Denver, again, a team also that has the current longest uh, NCAA tournament appearance streak in college hockey, very much on the line here. They would essentially have to win this tournament, I think, to make the NCAAs. So very intriguing matchup in the 4-5. Um, the other end of the bracket, your 3-6 is Minnesota Duluth against Western Michigan. I think Duluth will win that pretty easily. And then Colorado College is the seventh seed taking on second-seeded St. Cloud State, who's had one of their best seasons ever. I think St. Cloud will win that one as well. Um, and that's your first round. And then the semis after that, whoever wins those, it'll be on TV and you can watch. So I won't have to cover it for you. You can just watch it yourself. Incredible. And that's – I think I did it under 20 minutes, actually. That is 
uh, all I have for college hockey. It's going to be fun. A lot of tournaments coming up this week, all week long. Uh, these games will be happening. And, um, yeah, we'll kind of see how it goes. A lot is going to ride on this. Again, I've said this like every week, but again, they're not, there's no pairwise this year, which is normally how they do the at-large bids. So they're just going to be looking at kind of everything else, strength of schedule, similar opponents played. Um, and it's going to be really tough because everybody's played a different number of games and, um, you know, different teams. And there's no consistency at all this year with any of this. So it's going to be very wide open. Nice. Uh, right now, what two teams do you see in the championship? What? Like the the actual NBA like the, championship. Oh God. Um, okay. Well, assuming the conference tournaments go as I think, right? Then I I would say I would have Minnesota versus Boston College in the championship. Okay. Furthering this um, Spencer Knight on your on your head topic. Yeah, yeah. And the only way that doesn't happen is it's possible they would play each other before the title game. Okay. If Minnesota doesn't get um as high of a you know a spot as I think they will. So Okay. Possible that's not even possible, but that's what I would say right now. I think they're the two best teams, I guess. Gotcha. Thank you for the way too far in advance prediction. Yes. Once we have a bracket, I'll definitely let you know. Okay. And um, go ahead. For the record, once that bracket is out for both men's and women's, um, there'll be a separate hockey thoughts episode, just going over both men's and women's, the brackets themselves, and kind of uh, making predictions then based on that. Awesome. Everybody, keep an eye out for that. Uh, because that will be on here as Top Cheddar, but still labeled as Hockey Thoughts, so that way you don't miss it. And it will be more geared towards, obviously, all of our hockey fans. Speaking of college, uh, unless there's any other notes on college hockey, just a quick jump to NCAA basketball as a quick reminder that March Madness begins, or Selection Sunday for March Madness is one week away, so it will be happening as we record next week. And uh, we will also try and do a March Madness edition, just special episode for Top Cheddar, which will be released Wednesday uh, before the tournament starts that Thursday. So not this coming Wednesday, but the one after. Keep an eye out for that. Lots of things happening here at Top Cheddar Sports, uh, especially since... Brett and Spencer just found out about that right now, that that's in the works and uh, part of the plan. Well, while we're on college basketball, too, I just wanted to make a note that this is more than likely it will. This will be the first year the Mountain Valley Conference has two teams in like forever. As um, I actually saw the end of their championship game today where uh, Loyola Chicago beat Drake. But both of those teams will be in the tournament. Drake's going to get an at-large bid. Both have been absolutely just lights out all year. Um, so just good for the Mountain Valley Conference. 
Uh, for getting two teams in. Congrats to them. Yes, for sure. Why don't we uh, throw it over to baseball now in the MLB? Spencer, you've been awfully quiet so far. Yeah, I'm still here. Don't worry. I was really just taking it in. Honestly, I was in awe of the fact that Brett was able to just keep going and going and going. So, Brett, I don't know. Do you need do you need to like get a drink of water or? I actually have a water with me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that was impressive. You didn't skip a beat at all. You just like ran right through it. Um, but I yeah, base- baseball. Uh, not a ton. Obviously, spring training is underway. Games have started. It's fun. Uh, spring training might be the worst preseason though i don't i've never watched hockey preseason um hockey has preseason preseason games typically right yep um okay well i don't know how terrible those are but baseball is pretty awful guys are so rusty fielding's awful uh pitchers who are typically good get absolutely lit up um hitters who are typically pretty good hit weak ground balls back to the pitcher it's just not Great, but baseball's back, and that's awesome. Um, and just a trend that we've been seeing more and more over the years, a couple of guys get signed after uh, spring training starts. Two notable signings are the Brewers signed Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, to a two-year, $24 million deal. And so he joins their outfield of Lorenzo Kane and Christian Yelich. Some people believe that this is the thing that is going to push the Brewers to win the NL Central. I don't I don't really see that. I don't think this makes them that scary. Um, I think the entire NL Central is really going to come down to which team ends up pitching the best because all of all of the teams kind of just have three or four solid hitters and then after that it's a pretty steep drop off and then again it's just going to depend on the pitching so Jackie Bradley Jr. not the fearful bat that I I would think they needed to add um, to the lineup so that was one and then the other notable signing was the Astros signed Jake Odorizzi to a I want to say it was a three-year deal. This is saying, yeah, two-year deal with a player option for the 2023 season. Um, is just kind of a, a an average pitcher, but the Astros have had a slew of injuries to their rotation this um, preseason. So uh, as soon as some of those young arms went down, uh, it became increasingly likely that the Astros would go out and sign Odorizzi, and they did. So he'll probably increase his spin rate right away. He'll probably be like a top five Cy Young Award uh, finalist, and um, the Astros will probably win the World Series uh, behind him. Sounds about right. Anything to note on either of these signings from either of you? Anything that, like, jumps out that you love, hate? They're both pretty meh, in my opinion. 
Yeah, they're mad for me. Yeah, I don't have a comment on these. <laughs> All right. Uh, that being said, there really aren't a ton of big name free agents left. Uh, Rick Porcello is one of the more noticeable ones to have not been signed. He's just a pretty serviceable pitcher, um, even more average slash mediocre than Odorizzi is. Cole Hamill's kind of same deal, seeing as he's towards the end of his career. Um, Shane Green, uh, relief pitcher. Obviously, teams can always use relief pitch, uh, re- relief pitching and bullpen help. And so the fact that he has yet to be signed is actually rather surprising. Um, and then in terms of position players, uh, Michael Franco and uh, Yasiel Puig basically are the two big uh, surprises, I guess you could say. But n- no stars or anything like that. Um, we don't have Bryce Harper signing halfway through spring training or anything like that, which is good because typically those guys end up getting off to a really slow start when it comes to the regular season. But that's it for baseball. I saw um, Shohei Otani is is back and, and pitching again. Mm-hmm. I saw. That's pretty cool. I didn't know he was allowed to pitch again. I thought he, like, messed up his shoulder or something. I believe it was – it was Tommy John that he had to get, I think, right? And then um, last Tommy year – last year he was healthy and was okay to pitch, but I think he got lit up in the first couple of outings. And since it was a short season, I think they just opted to just – give him like another year to basically recover but Uh, i could be wrong about that um yeah i think in his first at bat too he he hit a home run so god i hope he just i hope he can i hope he can actually do both at like an above average level so that we start to see more players like this and more attention towards guys who come out of college or high school who are really good pitchers and also really good hitters and, and trying to, obviously that's a lot of work uh, because as soon as you are with a club, you start to hone in on your thing. And that's why after a while pitchers can no longer really hit well, but it would be really cool to see uh, some two-way players. I'm surprised you're interested to see that since you want the league to adopt a DH across the whole thing. Yes, I do, and I still would want a DH, but it would be really cool if you had your right fielder pitch every fifth day. Gotcha. Or, you know, uh, they're like a middle relief guy, and you bring them in and, like, opt for somebody who's better defensively somewhere, or vice versa, or, like, however. But I think that would be really cool to see. Um that being said, 95% of pitchers are still going to be god-awful at hitting okay. that I would much rather just see a DH. See a DH. Okay. Okay, here's a here's a probably a really stupid question, but is it legal for, like, Otani to pitch and DH in the same game? 
No, it's not. So if if you opt to have him hit, then after he's taken out of the game for pitching, your whoever you bring in also has to hit like that. That's a part of the order then, if that makes sense. So then who is the DH hitting for? The DH is hitting for the pitcher. No, but if, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So you have one to nine in the batting order, right? Let's say the pitcher's yeah. ninth. So yep. you have, if you wanted to have a tie hit at nine. Yes. Yeah. Then doesn't that mean your DH would hit for someone else or no? Or does, can your DH only hit for a pitcher or can you have a DH hit for a different fielder? Interesting. Uh, I believe it's only for the pitcher, but I've actually never thought about that. Like if you have a guy who's lump and a pitcher who can freaking wail it, you might as well (laughs) mix things up, you know? I I guess... There would never be there would never never be a situation to do something like that because no matter what a major league hitter is gonna be more typically more uh, he should be he should be better but yeah yeah I was just curious okay but yeah if if you have Otani basically if you're like well Otani's pitching and we want him to hit um. That means that you don't have a DH. That means you have the pitcher, the pitcher spot in the order. And so then, like I said, when you take him out, you're gonna have um, you're gonna have to have your whoever like the relief pitcher is that as well. One of those situations where you can't have your cake and eat it too, you know. I think that's incredibly stupid, but yeah, I get it. I think baseball should change that to be more fun, but they won't. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, moving on from MLB, we will jump to the PLL next, the Premier Lacrosse League. Uh, two noteworthy things that happened since the last trade within hours, uh, I believe the next day, the next morning after we recorded, uh, there's a major trade <laughs> in the PLL. Atlas sent Paul Rabel, founder, creator of the PLL, uh, part of it, and a number six pick in the 2021 entry draft to the newly formed Cannons for the number nine pick in the 2021 entry draft, the number eight pick in the 2021 college draft, and the Cannons' first round pick in the 2022 college draft. Um, Interesting move by... For both teams, uh, I really like it for Cannons. I mean, they—it's basically them saying we want to make a statement right off the bat and uh, be able to play in this league and not just be viewed kind of as those uh, as the misfits team, uh, since obviously they're just formed of all the unprotected people. Uh, also interesting by Atlas because this is now their second major trade where they're pretty much just losing a key piece of their team uh, for picks. Thoughts from you, Brett? Yeah, look, okay. I Let me just make it very clear. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, okay? As you guys know, like, I can't stress this enough. I am not a conspiracy theorist. 
but this reeked of just a PR stunt to me. As you said, Paul Rabel, founder of the league, you know, still very much involved in all the operations of the league, uh, just just so happens to randomly be moved to the newest team um, for basically for, for biscuits without any gravy, just dry biscuits. That's basically what they got in return. Uh, I, I feel like this was, uh, th- this was Paul Rabel saying, Hey, I, I'm, I need to go. I'm going to go to the new team to help uh, just, uh, again, just publicity yeah. of the league. Oh, new team and Paul Rabel's on it. Oh yeah. Um, because there's no logical reason why Atlas would do this. Unless they they really just and they weren't even bad last year, but unless they literally just hate their team and want to just like go all in on get every draft pick in a draft and just get a completely new roster this year, um, which again they weren't bad last year, so I, that's not what's happening. Like I think this was just all a stunt. Uh, but you know what? If like if Trevor Baptiste gets traded tomorrow, because tr- all the trades seem to happen on Mondays, uh if he gets traded tomorrow, then for draft picks, then maybe maybe I'm wrong. And maybe, you know, it was an actual thing. But I, I feel like this was all just all just a PR thing. We'll come back to this in a quick second. Because going off of that, I do want to note the other trade that happened in the PLL. Also another Atlas player being traded, Ryan Brown, got traded to the Water Dogs um, for the 11th overall pick in the 2021 college draft. So uh, three pieces from Atlas get traded clearly they're going in a slightly different direction but i do agree with you going back to the paul rabel thing of all people to be moved uh there couldn't have been a bigger name for a bigger pr move if that's what it is yeah and like okay like the other trade too uh um for brown that's that's like that's reasonable though right like that's reasonable but the paul rabel trade that's one of the best players in lacrosse. And what was it again? Was it a, what was it? So, was it a sixth round? No. So the number eight pick in the college draft this year, which is only three picks better than the the Ryan Brown pick. Uh, yeah. Their yeah. first round pick in the college draft next year, and then they actually took a hit of three picks in the twenty twenty one entry draft, um, which again, yeah. Near what the hell? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you're basically saying at that rate, uh, you would trade Paul Rabel for Ryan Brown, a first round college pick and an upgrade of three picks in the college draft. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Again, I don't know. You know, it, I could be wrong. I'm probably, um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so I can't stress that enough to, to our listeners. Yeah. It, it does seem a little bit fishy uh, that of all people, again, it's him. Uh, that being said, the Atlas uh, head coach, because it's head coach uh, who makes the picks, there's no separate manager or GM. Uh, is it Ben Rubier? Rubier? Um, however you pronounce it, I don't want to butcher it. Now holds six picks in the 2021 college draft. So this year's college draft, he will draft be on the clock first eighth tenth eleventh seventeenth and twenty sixth uh so really trying to as you said maybe just get a completely new look uh I saw he came out and said 
it's nothing against the people that we have, but we are moving in a different direction. Um, really thought this was interesting also. This league has been around for two years. This will be the third year, and yet it already seems like we have a team kind of just tanking for picks. Maybe not tanking, but uh, really just trading all their, their key assets. So if Trevor Baptiste uh, is traded here soon, I won't be surprised at this point as he is just yeah another big core name to that team. Yeah, mind-boggling stuff happening in the Premier Lacrosse League. Um, and while we're on lacrosse, it's time for Brett's upset of the week. Uh, this week's upset comes to us from NCAA women's lacrosse as Elon, uh, oh, oh, please, oh, please, oh, did I lose you? No, we're here. Oh, my screen just went black. <laughs> Holy crap. Um, the Elon, the Elon, that was so scary. Oh God, the Elon women's lacrosse team today uh, upset the 19th team in the nation, the James Madison. Uh, I forget what they're called. James Madison. Uh, what, what, what's their ma- bulldog? JMU. Right, the James Madison Bulldogs by a score of sixty-five. <laughs> Now, why is this – so the Elon Phoenix beat the Bulldogs, yeah, 6-5. to five. Now, why is this important, Brett? They, they were only ranked 19. It's not like they're that good. I'll tell you why. All right? Um, this was Elon's first ever victory against James Madison in the program's history. And you may be like, okay, whatever. They're in the same conference, and they have been for decades – and this is their first ever win against James Madison. Wow. A huge weight lifted off the shoulders. And a friend of mine, Erin Morshimer, I call her Morsh. She used to play women's lax at Elon. And I know how much she hated James Madison. So she's got to be very happy for Elon today as well. So shout out to Elon women's lax for finally beating James Madison, and I said they were ranked 19th, they were ranked 12th. I was wrong. I had that one wrong. I'm sorry. So that's your upset of the week. Wow. You never know what I'm going to pull out of the bag for the upset of the week. We can get random. (laughs) I mean, that's got to be, what, they play each other twice a year, I want to say? Once? I don't know. At least once. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at probably close to between like 30 and 50 games. Wow. Hold on, I can probably find out really quick, but keep talking about other stuff. If I can find out how, how, how many games it was, I'll let you know. Okay, well, while Brett's looking that up, uh, first correction, I was wrong. They're not the Bulldogs, they're the Dukes, and they have a dog in their logo. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, interesting. Interesting move there the by Damien. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spencer, your thoughts on the upset of the week? Um, man, what can I say? I was surprised. Uh, I had no idea what was going on either when Brett started sounding the alarm, so I got worried. Uh, my anxiety <laughs> and my blood pressure started to rise. Jeff, 
jumping back to the PLL, Walbert is still looking this up. Spencer, uh, if you were to really dive into the PLL this year, any team that stands out for you to root for that's not the Whips thing? Um, yes. The team that I said was going to win, and they almost did. Ah, chaos. Such a – or no. Was it chaos? Was it the it was... chaos? It might have been the chaos. Hang on, let me look up. Let me look at all the teams just to make sure. I'm pretty sure that it was uh, them because it yeah, wasn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Well, hey, it. I mean, an expansion team comes in. It sounds like another team is tanking. So right off the bat, their chances of making it back to the championship looking pretty good. Okay, I can't find it, but all I can find is that um, JMU, with their win last week, became only the fifth team in Division One history to record 500 wins. So that shows you how much of a powerhouse they are. And um, the last time these two teams had played, um, it, the the Elon lost 16 to five. Wow! So great for Elon. Great upset. That's, that's all I could buy. <laughs> but yeah, good for Elon. Yep. Okay. Uh, that will wrap up lacrosse for this week. Two quick notes from the NFL. Uh, because, of course, yeah, another piece of news dropped right after we signed. J.J. Watt has unofficially uh, signed or plans on signing with the Arizona Cardinals because it players are not allowed to sign with teams officially yet. Um, this is all just on hold until the everything can technically go in. But he pretty much said he's going to the Arizona Cardinals, reuniting with his good friend DeAndre Hopkins. And man, the Texans didn't even get anything for this one. So great job, Texans. Great job, Houston. Just such a such a well-run organization there. Um, I mean, good on the Cardinals. Uh, I don't know what his contract will be. I think he will probably be slightly overpaid um, just based on his recent performance in years. But hopefully he can stay healthy for the whole year, really add another component to that defense. And... I mean, they're in a tough division, so they're going to need that help. Thoughts on this? Are we happy you didn't go to Pittsburgh? Um, well, I, I, I didn't understand this signing uh, at all for, for either party. Um, I don't view the Cardinals as a threat, as like any contender at all. In, in any way, shape, or form, to be honest with you. And uh, I don't think J.J. Watt gets them to that level. And for J.J., if he wants to win, I don't know why he would sign with the card. Like, I really – this this kind of, like, confused me when I saw that. Like, I, I feel like I'm missing something, but I, I don't think I am. Am I? No. I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean – Cardinals uh, third in their division last year, uh, and the 49ers were very beat up. They just missed playoffs, but uh, yeah, very tough division, and you got to think the 49ers will bounce back, so only makes it tougher for the Cardinals next year, and definitely not a top choice contender, for sure, for him to go to. Um, especially when Green Bay was 
along with Pittsburgh, I saw is were had the favorite odds or the best odds for him to go. So considering how Green Bay finished and the fact that they still have Aaron Rodgers, he didn't go to the Colts yet. Um, I would have I would have expected that to be where he decided to go. Oh my god. Okay. Other news from the NFL. Um, Ben Roethlisberger reworked his contract to return with the Steelers for this next season. Um, he, all in all, they cleared or they lowered his cap hit by 15 million for this upcoming season. Although it's great, uh, I still am not a fan of it. Uh, he's still getting paid 14 million um, this year. His like his general contract only got reduced from 19 million to 14 million. It just lowered his cap hit overall by 15 million because now they extended his payment through 2022. So instead of, you know, paying him $41 million this year, we're now just going to pay him more or the same amount of money, basically through a longer period of time, even once he's not playing for the team. Um, Yeah. They're still basically right around the cap hit uh, since they were over. And they're just right around it now. And that's with Pouncey and Vance McDonald retiring and clearing up this 15 mil for the Steelers uh, and Ben's contract. So still a lot of work to be done there. Um, Not looking great from a contract standpoint, not looking great from a player perspective as far as who you need to bring back and without money, uh, without the money you don't have. And yeah, Pittsburgh still needs to figure out a quarterback situation for literally every year moving forward. <laughs> and from what I've heard, they don't plan on drafting one this year. So, yeah, thoughts? I feel like I feel like this was important, and I think everybody who really wanted JJ to go—I mean, I get wanting to like, oh, we have all the Watt brothers, you know, it's like the Infinity Stones or some shit. I don't know, but um, <laughs> I. I, I thought this was more important than getting JJ. I thought, and I think they have so, like so many more issues than giving again to just keep talking about JJ as well. Like he's getting 14 mil a year. Like I feel like for the Steelers, especially that money needs to go elsewhere. Um, they, they have a lot of um, things that they need to figure out outside of just like making TJ Watt happy though making sure he's happy is very important. Um, So, I mean, I think like good and like, it's good that Ben was willing to take less, uh, but yeah, there's still just bigger issues down the road for them, especially with the quarterback position. Um, I mean, do you think, do either of you being Steelers fans, do you think Ben's still worth 14 million? Um, Or do you think like, you know, as much as it's a hard pill to swallow, the guy's been with the team forever. But like, would it have maybe been better from, uh, like, looking to the future standpoint to just just cut ties and and rip the band aid? Go ahead, Brett. If I feel like I'm in the minority here, but I didn't hate this because 14 mil for a quarterback in the in today's NFL, I don't think is that much. I could be wrong because I really don't know what the like other quarterback contracts are like, but I know like Patrick Mahomes and not to compare him to that, but like, I know like Kirk Cousins is getting paid more. Like, I don't know. I don't think it's terrible. And look, like 
the Steelers have a team in place that could win a Super Bowl if they had a better quarterback and better weapons on offense. So him taking a slight pay cut can help maybe be, you know, fill some needs on offense. And then I know I said they still need a better quarterback, but honestly, I don't know where you're going to find that right now. Like Wentz already got moved. There's really no good free agent quarterbacks. You could try to get the Sean Watson, but that's mm-hmm. going to take away from the other parts of your team. And there's, you know, you're not going to be able to draft one because they have a late round pick. And I don't know. I know Mason Rudolph has a winning record <laughs> in his career, but I just, I still think they're better off with Ben than Rudolph. So I was kind of okay with this. But he's down to five. They do now, need so. to like, like this needs to be the last year of this though, because. Unless they win the Super Bowl, he shouldn't be back next year because it is time to start moving forward. But I also don't think you would just want to start like looking to the future completely and, and rebuilding when you still have this great defense and you still mm-hmm. have, you know, a, a team capable. Obviously, they went 12 and four last year. You still have a capable team. So I was kind of okay with it. But yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I don't hate it. And I think it's like I said, it's important that he drop but um and i just looked it up he is basically the lowest salary outside of guys who are like on their rookie contracts um and just like deshaun watson he's technically making more than um and i think that's just from a standpoint of like how the money is spread uh for certain players contracts so that's just one example it's just Mm -hmm. Would you rather pay fourteen million for Ben, or again look to the future? That's basically where I was, and I do think it's a tough decision. Honestly, like I don't know uh, where I would fall on it. I mean, he's serviceable, obviously, and like he's still capable. And like you said, there's still the pieces there with like the defense and everything. It's just, I don't know. I so I didn't think about like Brett pointed out of how much this position pays. And so that kind of slipped my mind when I was talking about it, but mm-hmm. what bothers me isn't how they reworked this. What bothers me is that he got such a massive extension for two years last off season. Um, I believe it was like they extended his contract. And also that Ben says or said before this, that he didn't really care about the money. He just wanted to come back. He wanted to be the QB for the Steelers. And clearly we want him to come back too, uh, within reason. But if you're going to say it's not about the money, then like really prove it clear. He has more than enough money. Why not? Basically, I don't know how much more they could have reworked it, but if he just wants to go on a run and make sure we have those pieces, then I feel like he could have, you know, cut another four mil because to him, that's not going to be that much, but to other positions, that's huge. And I, I just feel like there was more that could have been done as far as reworking it. Um, but yes, I he's still going to be better than the alternatives, especially this year. I mean, the Patriots are seeing that firsthand. Yeah, no, I get that. I, and honestly, if because the news that Alex Smith got released, obviously, like there's probably a cheaper option, but you know, it was the Steelers had already reworked Ben's deal before this. So it was kind of like, you know, too little, too late. But I feel like had the Steelers let Ben go 
and then saved a ton of money and signed Alex Smith to a cheap deal, I think they still would have been about the same team, but then you're saving money and can improve elsewhere, that kind of thing. But again, since there wasn't, I didn't really see an option like that out there. Right. No, that's fair. Yeah. That's why it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's tricky. So we'll see. I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, again, it doesn't matter, right? Because the Chiefs are going to win the AFC. Like, none of this matters. <laughs> Life is pointless. So why watch the NFL? <laughs> yeah. And since uh, there's no point watching, we will move on from the NFL now. Uh, <laughs> jumping over to Brett, do you want to touch on Premier? Uh, yes, I'll be very quick with the Premier League, um, the Barclays Premier League. Um, two more, two more historic things happened. Uh, as again, this season has just been wild. Um, today, Manchester City, who had won a Premier League record twenty-one straight games, um, I'm sorry, nineteen straight games in the league, twenty-one straight overall, um, finally lost to Manchester United today in the Manchester Derby. Um, so that ends that historic, again, Premier League record um, streak of 19 straight, which nobody else has ever done. And Liverpool, um, who I had mentioned when they had their first home loss a few weeks ago, um, they've now lost six in a row at <sighs> home since then. Um <laughs> When they lost their fifth straight, that was the first time in their history of like, I don't even know, like 130 some years that they've ever lost five straight home games. And they lost their sixth straight today to Fulham, who is currently in the relegation zone. Um, So you love to see that. Um, Liverpool continues to uh, struggle and... It's looking like they're not even going to get uh, European football next year as they are now currently eighth in the table. Uh, and obviously you need to be top six to accomplish that. So, yeah. Um, that's all I had. Just two uh, more record-breaking things happening and what has been a crazy year. Okay. Uh, then that will take us over to NBA, I believe, as a final talking point. Who wants to who wants to lead off with this? And Spencer does. Yeah, yeah sure, I does. got it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I think I'm comfortable talking about it because really, there's just no more tears left to cry. Um, it's All Star Weekend, but that didn't stop the uh, the hot stove from from staying hot or something. Uh, Blake Griffin had had his he uh, had agreed to a buyout with the Pistons. I think he had to pay them back like twelve and a half million dollars. Um, sure, that is nothing to him at this point, um, and that made him a free agent. And I, I you know, Blake Griffin, six time All Star, so obviously a lot of teams can use a player of his caliber, though he isn't as good as he once was. And he, just today, it was announced, signed with the Brooklyn Nets. The New Jersey Nets? No, Brett, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, because <laughs> these, aren't, these aren't the Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, Richard Jeffersons of our youth. 
This is the Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant of our now. <laughs> You're on fire tonight. Um, oh, man. Um, man. I don't think this is – I mean, Blake Griffin is a name, obviously. And so that alone <laughs> uh, is a name. Day person. <laughs> you guys done? Have you had enough? Have you had, have you had enough of your laughs? What I'm getting at is he's I, – I, I can't call him a star anymore because he's not a star, but he does still have name value behind him that, that people recognize who he is. And there's no doubt that he's going to be able to contribute. And so the fact that he goes and joins yeah, – I mean, it was just – you could have put money on it, really. Uh, I didn't, but you could have. And this definitely helps the Nets. I mean, we talked about how they were pretty thin when it came to – what their bench was and, and at the big position. Um, and I think they'll probably just use him as essentially a small ball center. And I have, I have very few doubts that that won't work. Um, again, I, I, it doesn't make me that anxious though, because he isn't as good as he once was, but I mean, who knows with playing with three other superstars, uh, a whole new Blake Griffin may emerge. I, I had to hold myself back from making interrupting and making like 20 different jokes while you were saying that. I'm going to make the one. Um, while while they they may have been thin roster-wise, uh, they were not thin around James Harden's waist. <laughs> <laughs> or his gut, I should say. Um, and uh, the other joke I'll make is, um, yeah, Blake Griffin is not just a name. It's actually two first names. Um so I'm leaving. a lot of, I'm leaving. A lot of... <laughs> I'm leaving the call. Bye. <laughs> a lot of uh, you know guys with two first names tend to be good at sports, and Blake Griffin is certainly one of those. But you're right; he's not who he once was. Um, this doesn't it doesn't hurt the Nets, but I don't really think it helps all that much. And I don't think he'll get a ton of minutes, to be honest with you. I think he'll be used in kind of like a um, like a Javale McGee role that we saw with the Lakers. Um, or like any team JaVale McGee ever went to, you know, he's brought in just as an athletic big that wants to, you know, bring some energy to the game and, uh, grab some boards and not really, you know, doesn't really score much. Cause I doubt he'll be a focal point in the offense at all. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's really just out there again, to be a big guy that's athletic and, and can try to grab you some boards and maybe draw a few fouls and stuff like that. I think that's really all he'll be used for. Personally. Victor? I have nothing uh, really to add on this. He is a name. Fuck off. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) I'm sure that will be a great uh, contribution for what they need him to be. Uh, Obviously, he's not going to be a focal point, as you each pointed out. They already have their big three. And do you do you see him starting in this lineup? Probably not. Okay. Uh, I don't. Who's? <laughs> I'm not even sure. D 
DeAndre Jordan's currently their big in their lineup, right? Mm-hmm. And he starts. So I now I doubt he'd start over him. And then who's their what they got who's who would be their starting power forward or small their other forward with Durant? Um, who would that be? Joe Harris. I don't even know who they start there. Is it Joe Harris? Or Bruce Brown, I think. Or yeah. It's probably Joe Harris. Yeah, I, I he won't start over Joe Harris either. So yeah, I, I don't see I don't see that happening. Yeah. Okay. He'll be like he'll get minutes. He'll be probably like the sixth or seventh man on that team, I would imagine now. Um especially with uh Dinwiddie out for the year. So Okay. Yeah, that's all. But I yeah, I mean it doesn't matter because I don't think the Nets are gonna win the East anyways. So, you know. Damn. Trust the process. Trust it, baby. Trust it. No, but realistically, uh, it, just briefly, I, I don't think the Nets really have a shot because I think in the playoffs, it's not going to work. And I I think teams like Philly, Boston still, Miami, all those teams I think could still beat this Nets team in a, in a seven-game series. So, Okay. Yeah, I agree. Not a It's not a big three that we've seen of late that, that really strikes fear. Though they are all three of them individually very good. I mean, talent wise, it's probably one of oh, the yeah. better ones. But yeah, it's just something about it. Like, I don't know. It doesn't scare you, you know? At least for me, it doesn't. I don't know. They'll probably win the finals. Yeah. For, you know, I, I, I don't know. What do I know? I don't know. I think the trade deadline's coming up fairly soon. I don't know the exact date of that, but. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about around that. Uh, a lot of teams will probably be buying. A lot of teams will probably be selling. You guys know how trade deadlines work, so. Yes. Men. Victor, <laughs> I'm sick and tired of you. I I won't be back. Moving, on in, moving on in the NBA. Who's the next bullet? Let's go. We got this. Finish strong. That was it. Wasn't that it for, for basketball? Uh, I think that was I think that was it. Victor, okay. we can stop now. I know we're meant to do it. Hey guys, this was great. It was really nice. It was really I have a talking point. <laughs> Shut your freaking mouth. <laughs> I'm amazed neither one of you brought this up. TJ McConnell set history this week. No, nobody wants to take this. Okay. okay. Uh, TJ it. McConnell. You, got, you started it. You finished it. I got it. I got it. No, 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 no. I got it. I got it. Uh, TJ McConnell. I got it. I got it. I got it. Stop the episode. Um, TJ McConnell was the first player in history to have a triple double where one of the stats was steals uh, coming off the bench. First player in NBA history uh, where that happened. So congrats to TJ. Just a phenomenal uh, achievement for him. Incredible guy. Great hustle. Miss him on the Sixers. And yeah, comments on this since you got it. It was also a record for most steals in a half with nine in the first half alone. Nine. Nine steals. A little Tej. That's Crazy, yeah. I, I can't believe I forgot about that. Thank you, Victor. Tenetti, John McConnell, what can you say? I mean, 
This little man, you know what? He'll always have that, and he'll always be forever in NBA history now. And honestly, he should be a Hall of Famer just for that. Um, and that, okay. that's impressive. And it should be noted, he did come off the bench, but didn't he still didn't he still play like 30, 36 minutes or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> thirty eight minutes. He basically played time like a starter. He just didn't. Start yeah, because I think somebody Which got helped. hurt or something. I don't know what happened, but yeah, still, regardless, we're not going to take it away from him. Who was the last player to do that? Was it, it Wilt Chamberlain? I think to record a triple double or no with with like ten steals. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was uh, never. Um, or John Stockton might have at some point. Draymond I... didn't Draymond have that weird triple double? I think that was a blocks though, wasn't it? He had ten blocks. I think. God damn. Uh. I'm not on my computer, so I can't look this up. I'm... So. No, it was 10 steals. It was 10 steals. No, no, oh, okay. Uh, uh, fuck me, then. All right. I got it. Yeah. His was actually uh, more impressive because he didn't record 10 points that game. He had 12 rebounds, 10 assists, 10 steals. Man didn't get 10 <laughs> points to get a quadruple double. Draymond That's the best Draymond stat line ever. <laughs> <laughs> he also had 10 technicals that game, so he, he kind of had a quadruple double. Oh, my God. As far as the last player to do it with points, assists, and steals, um, the most recent one was TJ in nineteen eight. Mookie Blaylock. Ah, uh, yeah, Mookie Blaylock. Mike Bibby. How could I forget? Draymond has recorded a quadruple dru- double before, though. I think hasn't he? <sighs> Who's Maybe, the last player to do I that? Don't. That's impressive. Now that. That is like ultimate stat NBA. Oh. 1984, 1983, 1984. So it's probably Robertson was the last to get a quadruple double. They probably. don't have him. Um, also, I think you guys know nine was the most in the half. Uh, he set a Pacers franchise record with 10 steals in the game. So no Pacer has ever had, or he either tied or set it. Pacer, I hardly yeah. know her. <laughs> Great, that was great. And okay. on that, we will uh, <laughs> end the episode. Thanks for tuning in to Top Chair Sports and the Beer League Bench Talk. I'm so and sorry. keep an eye out for all our keep an eye out for all our other episodes that will be coming within the next two weeks. Uh, of course, our normal one next week.